If you'll turn with me in the Word of God this morning to the book of 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter number 21. I will tell you today that mothers have a hard job in this day and age. I saw the other day that childhood depression is at an all-time high. Correspondingly, child suicide is at an all-time high. Child anxiety levels are at an all-time high. Childhood drug addiction numbers are on the rise and at an all-time high. The modern world, with all of its conveniences and all of its advancements and all of its science and all of its wealth and all of the things that modern society has done, it has not made the emotional lives of its children better. And so mothers have a difficult job. And so I honor every godly mother. Thank you for what you do. The book of 2 Samuel chapter number 21. If you found it, say praise the Lord. Amen. It's Mother's Day and I, and I checked the rule book. And on holidays, you are allowed to say amen. Just, just you're, I checked the rules. You are allowed to. Actually, I made the rule, so there you go. But the king took the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, whom she bare unto Saul, Armoni and Mephibosheth, and the five sons of Michael, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought up for Adriel, the son of Barzillai, the Meholathite. Like I told you, the world's getting more and more difficult. And he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them in the hill before the Lord. And they fell, all seven together, and were put to death in the days of harvest. In the first days, in the beginning of barley harvest, and Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, took sackcloth and spread it for her upon the rock. From the beginning of the harvest until water dropped upon them out of heaven and suffered neither the birds of the air to rest on them by day nor the beasts of the field by night. And it was told David what Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, the concubine of Saul, had done. Verse 13, And he brought up from thence the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan his son. And they gathered the bones of them that were hanged. And the bones of Saul and Jonathan his son buried they in the country of Benjamin and Zelah in the, in the sepulcher of Kish his father. And they performed all that the king commanded. After that, God was entreated for the land. And after that, God was entreated for the land. I want to preach for a little while this morning about a mother's revival. A mother's revival. Lord, I pray for your anointing on me to preach and anoint our ears to hear. Confirm your word with signs following. Let the Holy Ghost have its way in this place. I ask you, Lord Jesus, by the power of your great name to do your work in this house. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And you can be seated in the presence of the Lord.
Saul and his concubine, Rizpah, had two sons together, Armoni and Mephibosheth. This is not the same Mephibosheth that was lame, that sat at the king's table, but rather this was an other Mephibosheth. Armoni means one of the palace. It denotes someone of royalty, a son of the king. The name Mephibosheth means a dispeller of shame or one that removes shame. And specifically, the name Mephibosheth refers to someone that removed the shame of Baal worship. Baal was an ancient idol that many thought was a god, that they had built built an idol to this, this god and they would often sacrifice their children to this to this so-called God. Their firstborn would be slain as a sacrifice so they could hopefully find uh, financial blessing and also blessing for the remainder of their children. What a cruel religion that requires the sacrifice of something that you love so dear. Armoni, the king's son, and Mephibosheth, the one that removes shame, these boy's mother is a fairly obscure character when it comes to the Bible. She's only mentioned in four verses. Three of them in this particular passage of scripture that we read to you today. Her story is heart-wrenching and sad, but it also testifies of the fierce love that a mother has for her children. When we really hear about the story of Rizpah. Now we find that Saul is dead. And David has been the king now for some time. At the latter part of the reign of Saul, a terrible famine seized the land. This famine had extended now for three long years. Somehow David knew that it was the judgment of God against Israel, but he didn't know why God had sent this judgment. And so the Bible says that David inquired of the Lord for Israel. He asked God why the famine had come, and it went back to the notorious King Saul. From the time of Joshua, there had been a peace treaty between Israel and the Gibeonites. For some reason, Saul broke that treaty with the Gibeonites and killed many of them. God knew it was important for his people to be known as honest and fair. And breaking treaties was a bad testimony for God's people. And so the breaking of this treaty with the Gibeonites had angered God. And God refused to let it rain on Israel until this wrong had been dealt with. David then, understanding the reason for the famine, David goes to the Gibeonites and he begins to discuss what it would take to have peace and end the long war. The Gibeonites make a request for seven descendants of Saul, the king that had broken the covenant with them. And so by that law, by that treaty, seven sons of Saul 
are taken to the Gibeonites. Five of them, the sons of Michael, the daughter of Saul, and two more, the sons of Rizpah, the concubine of Saul. These seven descendants of Saul were then hung from a tree. And their bodies were the offering for peace necessary to end the war with the Gibeonites. For most of Israel, it became a time of joy and peace. They knew that with the rains, the rivers and streams and lakes and ponds would fill again with life-giving water. They knew the fields would turn green again, the leaves would bud, the land would be reborn. No longer would mothers have to kiss their sons goodbye as they went to war and headed to the front lines of the battle with the Gibeonites. No longer would wives have to wave goodbye to their husbands and children, hug their daddy's legs as they march off towards war with the Gibeonites. For Israel, these were the best days of the last three years. There's peace and the promise that rain would come. It was hope for all of Israel, hope that is, except for Rizpah. The hope and life that would come with the rain was intoxicating to Israel. They knew they had their new king, David, and Saul's foolishness and destructive actions had been undone. The last violation of Saul had been remedied, and God had turned back the judgment against Israel. Yet, while all of Israel experienced revival, not everyone was happy because there was a mother named Rizpah whose sons were hanging from a tree. These bodies of these young men hung under the solitary watch of Rizpah, their mother. Their bodies removed from the tree, laid on the ground. Every other mother in Israel moved on, but Rizpah couldn't move on. Israel was no longer concerned about them. They were merely the payment for the end of a war, but everyone else Everyone else went back to life as usual, but Rizpah's life would never be the same again. Everybody else rejoiced at the end of hostilities, but Rizpah would never rejoice like they did. The scent of death began to waft across the hills of the land. Jackals and wolves and coyotes began to gather and converge where the bodies of these two boys were laying. The buzzards, the vultures, began to circle overhead. There's no record that Michael, the other mother, did anything to protect the bodies of her children. But this woman, Rizpah, could not stand the thought of vultures and jackals tearing her children apart. And so the scripture records her actions. In 2 Samuel 21 and 10, and Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, took sackcloth and spread it for her upon the rock from the beginning of the harvest until water dropped upon them out of heaven. 
and suffered neither the birds of the air to rest on them by day, nor the beasts of the field by night. This mother could not sleep in her bed knowing that her children are being torn apart by vultures and beasts of the field. How can I rest while the vultures are circling my sons? How can I relax and know that my children are being torn apart by the beasts of this world? And so she made her trek to the gruesome spot where her boys had been hung. And there she spread sackcloth on a rock. And this would be her resting place, not for a night or two, not for a week or two, but for months and months, this mother rested on this this rock. And when a vulture would fly down to tear at her sons, that mother would beat that bird of prey away. And when she would hear the growling of a jackal or a coyote or a wolf as it would come to tear away at her child's body, that mother would rise from the rock and beat that beast back into the wood where it came. Like a soldier on guard, the Bible said from the beginning of the harvest until the rain fell out of heaven. From what we can gather for about a six-month time period, This mother, day after day and night after night, refused to let the beast tear at her children. She refused to allow her sons to be torn apart without putting up a fight. Amen. Her constant watch preserved her son's bodies. Israel had moved on from Rizpah's boys, but Rizpah could not move on from her boys. Michael, the mother of the other five victims, never appears in this story. It never says that she takes her sons. It never says that she gives them another mind. But Rispa simply cannot move on and know that the world is tearing her children apart. Israel wants to forget the whole matter. Israel wants to move forward. David's the king. They're ready to worship. They're ready to shout. They're ready to praise with David as he sings the songs of Zion. But Israel wants to move on, but Rizpah cannot move on. But David notices now that even though the boys have been hung, and even though they have answered the call of the Gibeonites, still something's not right because the rain has not fallen from heaven. We did what God told us to do. We paid the price to the Gibeonites, but yet the, the, the famine endures. The war is over. There's no more bloodshed. Life is better, but there's still no rain. We're not fighting anymore, but we're not seeing rain. We're not, at ba- we're not in battle anymore, but we still haven't had the rain. Peace is good but we need rain. Better is good, but what we really need is rain. May I just throw this in for a moment and tell you that too many people settle for better, but they never really get the true revival that God wants them to have. Amen. Better satisfies many, and they become content with better 
living below what God truly wants for them. It was better that they were not at war anymore, but what they really needed was life-giving rain to fall from heaven and to fill the land. And during all of this time, Rizpah, six months or so, is keeping vigil over her son's bodies. All alone, she worries about them. All alone, she fights the beast for them. All by herself, in sun, in wind, day after day, and night after night, she stands guard for her sons all alone. While Israel sleeps in warm beds, while Israel enjoys their home, while Israel enjoys peace with their enemies, Rizpah wages a solitary war for her sons. Somehow, some way, I've got to preserve my children some way. Somehow, the words of Rizpah's actions get to the ears of the king. 2 Samuel 21 and 11, and it was told David what Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, the concubine of Saul, had done. She is on the rock. She's beating away the fowl of the air and the beasts of the field. She's unaware that in the palace there's a conversation going on about her. She's just doing her mother's duty. She's just doing what she had been doing for a long time that day. Unaware that in the palace there's a conversation and her name has been brought up. To her, it's just another day of fighting. To her, it's just another day of struggle. To her, it's just another day of carrying the burden alone. But in the throne room of the king, her name has been brought up and her actions are being discussed. The king has now heard about what Rispa was doing. And when the king heard what was going on, the king put his kingdom into action. Amen. 2 Samuel 21 and 13. And he brought up from thence the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, and they gathered the bones of them that were hanged. They gathered the bones of them that were hanged. The king went and retrieved the bodies of Rizpah's boys and gave them the burial that they deserved. They finally gathered the bones and this mother was no longer by herself in the fight. This mother was no longer alone in defending her children, but now the king and his army had shown up. Amen. And when the king, when the, when the kingdom took care of Rizba's boys like they deserved, the Bible said that the Lord was entreated for Israel. Amen. Y'all making me want to preach. The name Rizpah is a very interesting word. Its initial meaning actually is the word pavement, like, like pavement. Because a road or like we would do on a parking lot or means pavement, something you walk on, something you travel on. Anyone ever feel like you've been walked on? Anybody ever feel like Maybe the enemies walked all over your family. 
and your children, your home, your marriage. Anybody want to say amen? amen? But if you look deeper into the word Rizpah, it actually comes from two Hebrew root words that mean a red hot glowing stone or a coal of fire. It means a fire bowl, a live coal, a glowing coal, an on fire coal. And when you think about the actions of Rizpah, what without a cause she was walked on. She didn't break the treaty. She didn't start the war. It wasn't her that did it. It was Saul. But somehow she's the one that gets walked on by the enemy when the battle is raging. But when the vultures and the beasts of the field come against her children, that lady who had been walked on, all of a sudden something happened. She became a red hot burning coal, a flame, a fire, a firebolt beating back anything that would come against her sons. Amen. She had been walked on, but she had been walked on one time too many. She had been walked on, but they walked on her just a little too long. And there was a fire that got a hold of that mother's heart that all of a sudden she got a fight down deep inside of her. May I tell you this morning that I am completely tired of the devil walking on our young people and our children and our teenagers. May I tell you, I'm proud of these young people. I know they're not perfect. I know they make mistakes. I know they get a little rowdy. Trust me, I know they get a little rowdy. I got two broken chairs and a broken sofa from those young folks wrestling and climbing on them. I got to buy new furniture because of them. But I'd rather have them at my house than out in the world. And if I got to buy new furniture, so be it. And if y'all got to wash cars to help me pay for it, so be it. I'm proud of these young people. But I'm going to tell you, the devil has them marked because they've got potential and they've got a future and the devil wants them and the devil wants to take them out of the church. I know they're not perfect, but they're here and they're worshiping God and they love God. And I'm tired of the enemy trying to walk on the church and take our young people out. I'm waiting for a fire to get a hold of us, moms and dads, that we pray and shout like we know we're in a war. I'm praying, God, let a mother, let a mother in this place become a red-hot coal. Let a mama's prayer life catch on fire again. Let a mama's worship catch on fire again. Oh, I wish somebody would praise God right now. I know I'm saying the mothers, but I'm talking to daddies too. We need to get on fire. If we don't, the enemy's going to walk on our marriages, going to walk on our homes, going to walk on our children, going to walk on our young people. But I'm looking at a church that knows how to get on fire with the Holy Ghost and talk in tongues and worship God until the fire falls. I preach to you just a little while this morning. Amen. Can I tell you that David obeyed God? He, he brought peace with the Gibeonites. But his obedience alone did not bring revival. Because for six more months, it didn't rain. He followed the letter of the law. But the rain still didn't fall. He had peace, but he didn't have revival. The fields were still dry. The ponds and lakes were drying up. The streams were running dry. 
The grass was turning brown. The livestock was getting weaker. Every day that went by, though they had peace, what they needed was revival. Amen. It's one thing to be at peace, but it's another thing to be in revival. I'm telling you, I'm thankful that we have what, for all accounts, we've got a good life. Amen. Trust me, I just got back from Egypt a couple of weeks ago talking to a pastor that's having, that's having church in his basement illegally because they won't let him have a church. But he knows he needs to have church and he knows he needs to worship God. And so he's having meetings in his basement against the law. We got to baptize him in Jesus' name while we were there. Amen. We're not at that point. We didn't have to hide the fact that we were coming to church. We didn't have to take 15 different ways around so people wouldn't know we were all coming to the place together. They didn't have to park 10 blocks away so they wouldn't know that they were going to have church in an illegal church building. We didn't have to do that. We just ride down the road, park in the parking lot, and pray the train don't stop us. We got it easy, folks. But we got peace. We got peace here. We've got, we've got everything we need. But what we need more than anything is we need to catch on fire with revival. We need to go from just being at peace to having, to having a red hot coal from being walked on by the world to having Holy Ghost revival. I'm preaching to every mama and every daddy, every young person we need a Holy Ghost revival if we're going to save our children from this world. I got some stuff on my heart. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get it out quick. I'm going to get it out real quick. Some people say it's too late for that already. I'm going to get it out quick from now forward. I'm calling on this church to get a burden for the lost children of our moms and dads that are in our assembly. Israel went on life as usual while Rizpah fought alone. My children are young, and as far as I know, they're living for God. I can sleep at night in the comfort of that knowledge. But while I rest well, some mothers of this church, good people, don't sleep so well. They go to bed praying that their children will make it through the night, wondering where they are, what they're doing. While I pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'm telling you, I've been praying that a lot. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. While I pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus, some mothers pray, God, don't come. Give my children more time. Give them another chance. Give them another chance to come home. While many of us rest, many of our mothers keep the lonely vigil of Rizpah. And I'm calling on this church to make praying for lost children of our church family the top priority in many of your prayer times. To pray for them as if you are praying for your own child. To not allow our rispas to battle alone. To not let our mothers who have children out in the world to feel like they're by themselves in this battle. I'm calling on Bethlehem Church to make praying for our backslidden children a top priority in our prayer list every day. And that we get on fire so that they, when they walk through those doors, they can feel the draw of the Spirit of God. 
that we pray with the Holy Ghost fire, that we worship with the Holy Ghost fire, that we live with the Holy Ghost fire. So when they come in this building, they can feel the draw of the Spirit of God on their lives. Oh God, that you would sin, that you would sin. Look, it's okay for us to have peace, but what we really need is rain. What we really need, look, there's moms and dads that come to church every single service. Can I just preach for, for a minute? There's moms and dads that come to church every service and their children are little. Their children are young, but they are seized. The parents are seized with fear. How can I raise my children in this world? How can I raise my kids in a society like we have? It's only it, when, when I get up and I say, folks, we want to have revival because the world's not going to get better. It's just going to get worse. And then at that moment, I know what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to inspire us to go further. But at that same moment, there's moms and dads that get a feeling of fear in their heart. How am I going to raise my child in a world like this? Let me tell you, God equipped you for such a time as this. God made you for this moment. God didn't get you in the church so you can watch your children be lost, but you got to be on fire, folks. You got to be you got to get set on fire with the Holy Ghost. You cannot just let life go by and not pray and not worship and not be faithful and expect God to do all for you. I want to be on fire for God. The Bible said that when David, when they buried the, the bones of those that had been hung, he sent the soldiers and he went and got the bones of Rizpah's sons and they buried them. And then the Bible said God was entreated for them. It was when they did that that God began to send rain on the land one more time. As long as they were unconcerned with the lost children of Rizpah, they never had revival. As long as they were only concerned with their own home and their own stuff and their own kids and their own things, God didn't send rain. But when the kingdom got concerned about Rizpah's sons, then the kingdom got the rain that they had needed for such a long time. May I tell you the next level of revival. I'm thankful for what I've seen. I'm thankful. For, man, we've had, we, we baptized over a hundred folks in the last few months. We've seen people get the Holy Ghost at just one after another. Other. Thank God that our grow classes and our life groups and all, thank God for all of that. But the next level of revival is going to come when we start bearing one another's burdens and we understand there's mamas that can't sleep at night and I'm going to pray with them. I'm going to covenant with them. I'm not giving up on these lost children because we're a family, folks. And we all have, and God was entreated for Israel when they buried the bones. I'm, I'm going to close now. Brother Ethan, go ahead and come on. I'm going to, I'm going to, I got a couple more verses, but I'm going to stop. I, I had a, I had a tremendous uh, blessing. And when, when I start to tell the story, you're going to think it's not, it doesn't sound like a blessing, but I had the blessing of being in a funeral this week. Brother Michael, sitting here on the front row, doesn't he look good? Brother Michael and Sister Billie Jean came to the church several months ago. And Sister Billie Jean, she kind of grew faster than Brother Michael did. Brother Michael was dealing with some stuff in his life. And uh, it took him a while to, 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 to start getting. But I, I've noticed, and, and, I th and, and, and some of you have noticed. And Brother Michael, I don't want to embarrass you, and I don't think I am. Am I? Okay, good. 
It's too late now, isn't it? <laughs> but, but I've noticed just in the last couple of months a dramatic growth in Brother Michael. And I'm thankful for that. He lost his, you've lost three close family members in the last, what, year? Dad, mom, and grandmother. That's a lot, it's a lot of loss to bear in a short amount of time. And so I knew, come here, Brother Michael. I knew Brother Michael was going to have a struggle going to this funeral. That is a long suit coat. I knew he was going to have a struggle when he went up to that funeral. A lot of his family members don't live for God. They do stuff that, that you don't do, thank the Lord. Used to, but don't. And so with my family being in Indiana, I had some time. And so I went to St. Louis to be with Brother Michael and Sister Billie Jean at the funeral of his grandmother. And so I got there on time, which there's about me and three others. But I started listening as people started coming in. I had no idea. They call her Mother Harris. I had no idea. I never met her. Never knew her. Didn't know anything about her. Didn't know what kind of church she went to. Didn't know nothing about it. But I just went in. And I sat there and I saw some lady that came in. And she went up to the casket. You, if you want to sit, you can. Or if you want to stand with me, you can. It's your choice. Went up to the casket and stood there cried for a minute and then she turned around by this time there's eight or ten people there and she said I'm new in the church she said but my husband ain't in the church and we'd be having a rough time and I'd call Mother Harris and Mother Harris would pray and she said and my husband had left one way but by the time he came back he was different and, he, and she pointed at that casket and said because Mother Harris prayed then I heard somebody else come up and they, they said, man, when Mother Harris told you she heard from God, you better write it down because it was going to happen. She, she was a seer and a prophetess. And so I'm just sitting there and I'm watching these people come in. I'm listening to them talk. And, and the funeral home had sent a car for the family and they, 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 because they didn't want the family to be there while everybody, you know, it's just tiring. And so they had sent a car so the car that the funeral home had sent for the family wasn't there. So Brother Michael wasn't there and I'm listening to all this. And then, and then, and then I get a tap on my shoulder and Brother Michael's behind me and his aunt is with him. And his aunt is the usher at the church, one of the ushers at the church. She's got the white gloves, the whole thing. And I happened to look at the name tag and the name tag says, Last Days Apostolic Church. And, and so I get, I get talking, I get talking to, I get talking to this lady about Mother Harris. And she tells me about Mother Harris. She's, she was the head of the usher board and she was a prayer warrior and she'd come to the church and she'd pray for hours and, and, when, and she would worship God and they, and they would talk about how she would shout and how she would worship and how she'd praise God. And, 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 I, and, and the, the lady said, said, we're apostolic just like you are, pastor. And I looked at Brother Michael, did I do it? He's standing right there and I looked at Brother Michael. I said, did you have any idea when you came to Bethlehem 
that you were coming to a church just like your grandmother went to? No, pastor, I had no idea. I didn't know. I think he came because Billie Jean came. Sounds like a Michael Jackson song, Billie Jean and Michael. He said, no, pastor, I didn't know. But just a couple of weeks ago, when, when he found out she was about to die, Brother Michael says, I don't know if I can make it losing another one. I don't know if I can stand it. But I got a feeling that God let his grandmother pray him into a good apostolic church. But not only get him into church, but pray till he got through a lot of his issues and a lot of the stuff he was dealing with and a lot of the battles and the burdens he was carrying. And when he got his feet under him, his grandmother's assignment was done. Thank God for a praying mama. Thank God for a praying grandma. Thank God that the prayers of that sweet holiness lady in St. Louis, Missouri wouldn't let Brother Michael go. Thank God she was a red hot coal. Thank God she was not just walked on, but somehow, somehow, I gotta believe, Brother Michael, that old grandmother of yours, and I say that sweet, that sweet old grandmother of yours, in that bed in St. Louis, knowing that she was about to die, she's calling out that man's name, and that man comes to an apostolic church, and that man gets baptized and gets filled with the Holy Ghost. Thank God for mothers that know how to be on fire for God. Oh, God, lift your hands all over this place. Man, it blessed my soul to be at that funeral. Oh, it blessed my soul. But another thing it tells me is that old grandmother, all those years that Brother Michael was in the world, all those years that Brother Michael wasn't living right, all those years that Brother Michael had no plan to serve God, but all those years that Rizpa Mother Harris would just keep praying and would just keep praying and would just keep praying. Beating off alcoholism. Beating off drugs. Beating off the enemy that's coming after her grandson. But she just keeps on fighting. She just keeps on fighting. She keeps on fighting. A mother's revival. And I know in this place there's some moms. And you're concerned. You're concerned about your children. You're concerned about your grandchildren. Wondering how they're going to make it. I, I don't want to embarrass anybody. And if it would be embarrassing to you or somebody with you, you do not have to come right now. But if you have a lost child or grandchild and you want to come around the altar, I want you to come. Again, I don't want to embarrass anybody. I don't want, I don't want you or your children or if you have a guest with you, I don't want anybody to be embarrassed. But if you want to come, you can. Come close. Keep coming, keep coming. Come close. 
Folks, there's a revival. There's a revival right here, right now. Enjoyed peace. Rizpah fought by herself. These folks shouldn't have to fight by themselves. So now I'm calling on the rest of the church. Until David went until the kingdom got activated on behalf of Rizpah the rain never came and I think it's time for us as a church maybe you need to go to one of these folks that had come up and just put your arm around them and that's your way of letting them know I'm praying with you about your child I'm praying with you about your grandchild You're not in this by yourself. You're not alone. You're not going to have to be Rizpah all by yourself. You're not going to have to be a Rizpah alone out there while Israel sleeps in their bed. But no, we're together. Can there be a sound of prayer going up out of this place right now? Can there be a sound of prayer going up? for that next level of revival. Oh God, I'm covenanting. We're making it a priority here. This is not just Mother's Day lip service, but we're making it a priority here, God. We're standing together. Come on, pray, pray for that man, that lady, like, like if it was your own child and you didn't want the Lord to come back until they got right. Oh, that's right. Pray one for another. Go before the Lord one for another. God, give strength. God, give your strength today. Oh, holy God. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I don't apologize for what we're doing right now.
across the front of this, this building that have lost children, raise your hands. Here's what I want you to do. I just want you, whenever I say now's the time, I want you to call their name out loud. Call it out loud. And I want you to be listening to somebody next to you. And when you hear that name called out, I want you to begin to pray for it. There are so many of these wonderful, beautiful people. Sister Irene, it's so good to see her back in the house of the Lord. And I'm so, I'm so proud for her and happy for her to see her grandson Craig sitting there with his arm around her and all that he's doing for the kingdom of God. I'm so thankful for that. But you know, I don't think we quite could get the picture of Rizpa. I don't know if we do or not. But the moment that the, the howling of the wolf or the cow would have been near, some folks would have said, well, I, I'm gonna go and go inside. Because I, but, but what the world is after our children with is way worse than what that situation was. So I want you at this time, if you will, raise your hand if you've got a lost child. And I want you to call their name out right now. Listen to somebody around you. Go ahead, call their name out loud. All right? Begin to pray right now for somebody that you heard the name that they called out. Would you do that right now in the name of Jesus? God, we believe in you. We believe in you right now for these lost children. God, they're going to come back. In the name of Jesus, God, reward these parents, grandparents, I'm looking for a revival of backsliders. Your children, your grandchildren. Come on, can you believe that with me? Put your hands together and let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise in advance. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, 